Welcome to The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. This is Ryan Katz with USCF Investments. And this is Kurt Nelson with Summerhaven. Let's talk about Commodities 101. We hear about commodities all the time as an asset class and as a way to potentially hedge inflation, but what does investing in commodities actually mean and how do they differ from traditional asset classes? Yeah, these are good questions, Ryan. And I really want to use this opportunity to take us all the way back to basics is what does it mean if you're going to invest in commodities? Um, you know, commodities are not new. They've been around for thousands of years in the global economy. Even as futures markets, they've been around for roughly 400 to 500 years, um, starting in Japan when rice was essentially a currency uh, and used to as, as, a, as a mere payment between feudal lords and, and lay people in, in Japan. And they created a futures exchange with standardized contract uh, specifications, delivery, expiration, and even had a, an exchange called the Dojima Rice Exchange, which probably set up the stage for the CME and the ICE and all the exchanges that we know today. Um, I think investing in commodities is confusing. And I think many people wonder, like, where do you store the cows or where do you store the corn? That's not what we do. When we're investing into commodities, what we're really doing is investing into commodity futures and so for an investor, what that means is we're trading in an instrument on an exchange, a regulated exchange with daily trading volume, uh, price discovery, you know, settlement prices that are official. And so there's a, a, a well-worn process, but there is confusion among investors about what that actually means. Right. And, and speaking about commodity futures, you know, do, do you feel like that's critical for commodities exposure? I mean, there, you can also invest in commodity equities. So, uh, don't do you have your basis covered with commodity equities, or do you? See, what are the differences between the two? Yeah, that's a, that's a question we get a lot. Which is okay. I'm an RIA or I'm an advisor, and I own ETFs and I own equities and I own bonds. But I but why why do I have to own commodities? How is that different? Um, I think commodity futures are unique because um, when you think about futures that trade in financial assets, currency futures, uh, index futures on equities, uh, interest rate futures. These are all arbitrageable. Um, the commodity futures are actually a, a, a mechanism for hedgers to transfer uh, price risk to the speculator. So I think of them as, as price insurance marketplaces. And I think it's a big driver of the long-term risk premium or compensation that investors get in commodity markets. Um, so if you invest in <clears throat> corn, for example, and you buy corn futures, there's very possibly a, a, a farmer on the other side of that who is selling his future production and trying to lock in a price. For you to come to that market, you could take your capital and you could invest into stocks or bonds or real estate or hedge funds or other things. For you to be brought into the commodity markets and use your risk capital to insure the farmer from their corn price risk, you need to do two things. You need to understand you're going to wear the beta risk of corn prices over the next you know, two, three, five months. But second of all, you have to be enticed to the market. So you're, you're going to be able to come in at a natural discount. And we think of that as one of the, the real sources of risk premium. Why, uh, why is there this compensation from hedgers to speculators when you go, when you go long commodity futures? Uh, I mentioned these are not arbitrageable. And what I mean by that is that if you were trading Japanese yen 
uh, U.S. dollar futures, you could buy yen in the cash market. You could sell yen in the cash market. You could do the same thing with U.S. dollars. And if the the kind of futures arbitrage of futures prices to interest rates and cash uh, exchange prices deviated, you'd be able to take advantage of that and they correct very quickly. There isn't an arbitrage mechanism in commodities markets. So there's actual real price risk transfer to a speculator. What I mean by that is if you thought that futures were expensive and so you said, I'm going to sell a future and buy corn cash and run along short. Well, how do you buy cash corn? You got to buy a silo or you're going to buy a farm. And if you flip it on the other way, let's say futures look cheap. And so you, what you want to do is buy the future, but short cash corn, you can't really borrow and short sell corn. So what happens when you're a speculator in commodities markets, and this is true for any of these physical markets, whether it's corn, uh, you know, wheat, soybeans, uh, copper, gold, et cetera, you're, the speculator is, is, is taking a position where they will wear the price risk for a period of time, the duration of the futures contract, two months, three months, five months, whatever it is. And in a, it, to entice that speculator, speculative capital to the market, you get to come in at a slight discount to go long. Now, I think that discount um, can vary over time. And we'll talk on other podcasts about backwardation, contango, scarcity, and what can make that bigger or smaller. Um, but you're also, in addition to, to, to getting that sort of discounted long price, you're also wearing the risk of the commodity, which is volatile. And so one of the best ways to mitigate that is through diversification. So rather than just taking a position in corn or copper or gold, you can take a position in a bunch of commodities. We trade, um, you know, more than 20 commodities markets. And by taking small uh, positions in a number of different markets, it allows you to diversify your risk. And because corn tends to be uncorrelated with cocoa, which is uncorrelated with copper, which is uncorrelated with with other uh, commodities. So by spreading your bets across a number of markets, it allows you to um, mitigate that spot price risk and still collect that insurance premium. And increase your correlation to inflation as well. Yes. Um, so, so just an add-on to that question, how would these commodity futures investments um, differ from commodity equities? Yeah, so I didn't really answer that question. And the reality is we, th- we think commodity equity investments are interesting, but we think they're exactly what their name says. They're sort of half commodities, half equities. So um, an illustration would be if you were to buy uh, British Petroleum rather than buying an energy commodity. Um, you might say, well, I'm in the, the energy exploration and, ex- and extraction market. I, I'm more comfortable buying an equity than I am trading an, an actual organic commodity uh, on the futures market. The problem is you're, you know, you're thinking that you're buying an energy product, but in essence, what you're doing is buying an, an actual enterprise that's running equipment and has labor costs and insurance costs and everything else. And um, what we saw um, you know, a decade ago is that rather than getting exposure to any mar- energy markets, what you got was an energy spill and BP prices fell by 50% in a very short period of time when energy markets were otherwise stable. Um, I think we see the same thing in mining companies. You know, a lot of, uh, investors have, have traded, uh, you know, precious metals, gold mining stocks, 
um, or other industrial, you know, metals mining companies. But what you're doing is you're getting exposure to the base metal, the base commodity, but you're also taking on enterprise risk of those companies that are profit generating enterprises. So if I was operating a mining company, one of the natural things I might do is uh, hedge my risk. So if I'm extracting, for example, copper from the earth and I have an, a forecast for the amount of uh, ore that I'm going to extract and refine and sell, it might be very prudent for me to go into the futures markets and actually sell that production forward, lock in price. So I can manage my cash flows, manage my cost structure. Well, if, but if you're buying a mining company, which is hedging the core price risk of that underlying commodity, you're getting a lot of noise in the system. You're not getting a pure play on the underlying commodity. Um, so I think that in that way, commodities are one of the most uh, diversified commodities through futures markets are one of the most clean ways to play the asset class without bringing in this other extraneous noise. Great. So that's something for us to think about as to, you know, we're investing in commodity uh, equities, but a lot of that price exposure and what you're actually trying to do when you're investing in commodities of hedging inflation has already been somewhat, um, that that price risk has been sold off uh, in the futures markets already. So you're taking the other side of that trade. Well, and it could be, but you just don't know because, you know, some, some, a lot of gold mining companies have chose not to hedge because they know that people are investing in their company to get gold exposure, but they can. So if you're a mining company, an agricultural company, an energy company, you may be selling production forward and you don't know as an investor. Um, I think uh, the um, futures markets are much more straightforward in that regard. Um, you're not taking on the, the operating enterprise risk. Um, you know, companies have to deal with labor costs, input costs, um, cost of production, uh, hedging price volatility, uh, all those things can impact your investment. And that's why I think commodity equity investments tend to be kind of commodities, but also kind of equities. Um, whereas a commodity futures investment is a pure play on the underlying asset. Absolutely. This has been The Real Spill with Ryan and Kurt. We'll talk to you next week.